Well, good morning. good morning. Wow, what a set, huh? Yeah. I just kind of lost it for a moment watching and worshiping and realizing that uh, a good portion of that band and worship team we've seen at Crossroads since they were this big. So for all those of you that have been here, that have participated, that give, that support the ministry of Crossroads at all ages, let me tell you, this is the next generation. We're making a difference. I hope you feel good about that. Wow. How many of you know and would readily admit that when you walk around doing life every day and people say, how you doing? And we respond with the cliche, I'm fine. How many of you would admit that sometimes we're facing stuff on the inside that no one else can see? Yeah. Maybe it's trying to move forward after a loss of a loved one. Maybe it's just the uneasiness that you and I experience about what the future is going to hold. But there's a lot of people walking around that are overcome with anxiety. They just don't know what to do. It takes everything in them to get going every day. I mean, and then, you know, Christians, we're great at this, right? A well-intentioned Christian will come along and see how you're doing if you're honest enough to tell them, and they'll quote something from you, right? Like, they'll just, they'll just say, give, give. we all want to fix people. Just give it to God. Just give it to God. And then they'll quote a very clear verse of Scripture, a powerful verse, matter of fact, out of Philippians, maybe chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Rejoice with the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness <laughs> be evident. Because the Lord is near. And then that ends with, don't be anxious about anything. Sounds great, doesn't it? Hey, whatever you're worried about, whatever you're anxious about, just don't be anxious about anything. And you just, you're thinking inside, like, really? It's easier said than done. Like, I've, I've wondered, like, God, is that even possible to not be anxious about anything? <laughs> I don't know what's going on in your world, but I can only imagine. In today's economy, right, the financial pressures, and have you noticed? You went and bought a Dozen eggs? It's like, holy cow, I'm looking, where's the chicken that's included with the eggs? Everything is up. You can go to pick up one bag of groceries. It's $50. Like, what? Are you kidding me? How do you not be anxious when you turn on the TV or you look at a, a newspaper anywhere you go? It's like the whole world, it seems to be falling apart. And then there's politics. Don't be anxious about anything. Are you kidding me? And I'm guessing that you're a lot like me and you sit around and you're like, well, I'll tell you what, I, there's a lot to be anxious about. Like there's so much unsettled stuff. I don't even know what's going on and what world that I'm living in. Well, that's one of the reasons why we're focusing on health in 2023 at Crossroads. That's why last week we kicked off a new series of messages called Mind My Own Business because we're kind of taking a look at ourselves and looking inwardly. 
If you have your note sheets, you can take those out. You can follow along. Let me give you some interesting statistics. In 2019, okay, 2019, two out of three Americans said what? They said that they were extremely anxious. They were anxious or extremely anxious. That was 2019. That was before the pandemic. That's before the world went cray-cray, right? Two out of three were anxious or extremely anxious in 2019. What do you think it is today? Fill this in as well, 91%. Can you believe that? 91% of high school or college-age students report consistent and significant levels of anxiety associated with stress. They say this generation that's high school and college age has never had more opportunity, but yet they're so anxious because of the uncertainties, they don't see a clear path to success. They've got so many pressures on them that they're anxious or extremely anxious. I think it hits all levels, except kids, right? Kids are just like, it'd just be a kid. And then I hear kids say, man, I just want to grow up. And I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. So we're going to talk about anxiety today, and I want to start by acknowledging that this is an incredibly complex subject. And like I said last week, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not an expert. If you know my story, you know I'm not. But I am going to hit it from the spiritual side. But I want to acknowledge up front that for some people, what you need is professional help. Some of you, what you need to do is raise up your hand, right, to a small number of people and say, can you help me find some help? I got to get to the right place. This is destroying me on the inside. And we're all at different levels. Can we just agree with that? And listen, we're, we said last week, we're not stagnant. It doesn't just stay in one place. You might be in a really good place today. That doesn't mean you will be tomorrow. Things can change like that. Some people have a low kind of constant anxiety that goes. Some people, you're kind of middle of the road. And some of you, quite honestly, it takes everything in you in this season to get yourself out of bed. Get some help. I'm hoping that you'll get some help here today. But I just want you to know for sometimes it's just not that simple. And we all have that one person, right? Remember I told you the best part of doing what I get to do is people and the hardest part of what I do is people. You get to decide which side of the equation you're on. <laughs> but don't we all have that one person like if your phone goes off and you see their name or a text message comes in and you see that name, you're like, oh. <laughs> Everybody's got one of those people, right? I've got like 140 of those people, I think. No, I'm kidding. Can I just tell you, wherever you are today with anxiety, no matter where you find yourself on that spectrum, I want you to know that God cares about you. He does care. He's aware. I want you to feel God's love around you because he does. You might feel like, oh, why am I so tied up in knots? And how could anybody love me? I'm struggling with me. God does. And that's why today's title is, God, heal my anxious mind. I'm going crazy inside. Would you just pray with me? God, I just pray that today that 
as we're here in your presence, that you would do what only you can do. God, that you would let us feel and experience your love to know, God, that your love for us is unconditional. That, God, you are the great physician. You could heal everything in a second. But, God, you also use other people and experts. You use other things as well. But, God, I pray today for a peace that only you can provide. And I pray for everyone in this room and those that are tuning in on live as well. May we see you and experience you today in your name. Amen. We're going to look at a powerful example today of someone who was anxious, and it was a very godly leader. Matter of fact, he was a king, but he was dealing with anxiety because why? He's human. <laughs> if you're human, you deal with these things, right? And we're going to camp out in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. So if you have your Bible or whatever and you want to follow along, you can do that. But uh, there were some good kings and there were some bad ones. He was one of the good ones. And uh, we're going to look at King Jehoshaphat, right? who was the fourth king of Judah in the southern kingdom, if you will, of Israel. And, and he was a guy that was much like you or much like me. He had a lot of great qualities to him, but he was human. And he struggled like you and I struggle. And if you can imagine, here's a godly king. He loves God. He's leading a good kingdom. And all of a sudden, he gets word that they're going to be attacked. And the Moabites are attacking, right? But not only the Moabites are attacking, but the Ammonites, another army, are attacking. And then the Minunites are attacking as well. So here's this king leading a good kingdom. He's getting flooded on three sides from three different enemies. And that would make you a bit anxious, would it not? Now let's pause right there. And I believe this with all my heart, that some of us struggle with anxiety, right? Because we've got something hitting us, something pressing in on us. Maybe it's a, a job situation, a boss situation, right? And so you're just a little bit anxious about that. But what really sends us for a spiral is what sent Jehoshaphat for a spiral. And that is when you don't just have a job that's up in the air, but you got financial pressure up in the air. You got kids doing things that you're not sure of. You got an economy and all of a sudden you got three things or so at least pressing in on your life. That's what gets us so twisted up with anxiety. And let's face it, in the world that we live in today, that's a reality for a lot of people. Three different enemies attacking him. They've joined forces. They're ganging up, if you will, on King Jehoshaphat and his people. And, and this illustrates the very reason for us why when we have all these pressures, we struggle. Remember I talked earlier about the younger generation, 91% of people struggling between high school and college age? Think of all the pressures that they have in today's world. People ask, what are you going to do? What are you going to do for a living? Hey, you know, you blah, blah, blah. You, all those things. What am I going to do? Am I smart enough? Can I get in the right school? All these pressures. And they say people are putting off buying a home because of the uncertainties, right? Many people are putting off getting married because it's expensive. Well, it doesn't have to be. You knew how little I spent when we got married. You'd, you'd hate me. But anyway, <laughs> she said yes. <laughs> and then to make matters worse, you'll have an, a well-intentioned Christian come along and quote something like, don't be anxious about anything. And you're like, well, okay, 
Thank you. <laughs> I want to first show you today that anxiety is not a sin. It's not a sin. If you look at Jesus before he went to the cross, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he was to, right before he was to give his life on a cross for you and for me, you know what he did? He prayed. He went off by himself. And he was in such a place of intense agony and anxiousness that the Bible says he literally sweated tear of uh, blood drops. That's intense anxiety. And you know what he prayed to God, his father? He said, God, if there's any other way, in other words, if there's any other way that I can make it where mankind can get back in relationship with you other than me suffering on a cross and going through what I know that's going to be like, if there's any other way, God, let me do it that way. But if there's not, let your will be done. In other words, if there is no other way, I'm willing to do it. But he was so anxious about it, so tired that he was sweating blood. This isn't on your note sheets, but you might want to jot it down. Anxiety isn't a sin. It's actually a signal. Anxiety isn't a sin. It's not a sin to, for me to be anxious or for you to be anxious. It's actually a signal. How many of you know what it's like to be driving your car and the in check engine light comes on, right? And you're like, ding it. And you just take a little hammer and you knock the light out. You might get angry at your car, but it's not your car's fault. The engine light is coming on, giving you awareness that you ought to check something out. You ought to take it to a dealership. You ought to take it to a mechanic. You ought to at least take it to the parts store and hook one of those scanners up and see what it's trying to tell you. Because it's hoping, right, that you'll do something about it so that later you don't have a breakdown. Anxiety is that for a human. It's not a sin, it's just a signal. It, 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 it's just letting us know that something is going on in us and we need to address it. So what do we do with it? Well, you just don't be anxious about anything. <laughs> okay. We're going to do three things and we're going to learn from Jehoshaphat the three things, three ways to cope with that Warning light that goes off, the little in check engine light in our life that we start to get anxious. What's it saying? It's a signal to do three things. <laughs> what are we going to do? Well, the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to recognize it's time to pray. It's time to pray. This is what exactly that um, Jehoshaphat did. Look at Second Chronicles, if you will chapter 20, verse 3. Look at what he does. It says he was terrified by the news. What news? The news that all three of those armies were going to gang up on him and attack him. Of course he was anxious. The, another version says he was alarmed. Another version says he was anxious by the news of these armies attacking. I'll bet he was. He's going to be attacked on all sides. And look, what did he do? He begged God for guidance. He prayed, he's begging God, God, show us what to do. I love you, I love my people, and we're begging you, God, show us. We don't know what to do. We're going to be outnumbered. And then it says what? And he ordered everyone else in Judah to begin fasting. He called the whole kingdom of his to a fast, to focus on God. 
Anxiety isn't a sin, it's a signal telling you, telling me when you start to get anxious, it's time to pray. Let me show you Jehoshaphat's prayer. It's a powerful prayer. He prayed this in verses 6 and 9. He said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, he knew who he was. Are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand. No one can withstand you. He knows about God. He knows God. If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or the plague of famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we will cry out to you in distress, and you will hear us and save us. That's faith. In other words, God, we trust you. Our faith, God, my faith as a leader, God, and my people, we're we're fasting, we're seeking you, we're praying because we trust in you, we believe in you, God. You can pray like that. Matter of fact, when you, the next time you feel anxious, you, you, you can pray just that fancy if you want to. You can start your prayer, God of our, our ancestors, right? Or you can do what I do. Help! <laughs> God, help! Trust me, if you know a little bit about my story that I've shared since coming back, that's where I was. Help, help, God, why is this happening? God, I don't understand it. I believe in you. I love you. I, I, I follow you, I, but I feel desperate. I don't know if I can go on this way. Matter of fact, God, I'm pretty sure I can't. I know I can't. And you cry out to God. He hears your prayers. He cares. He's aware, even if you don't get the answers when and how you thought it would come down or you hoped it would or the time in which it would come. Dr. Carolyn Carolyn Leaf, she's an author of a book that some of you might want to grab a hold of. It's called Switch on Your Brain. Dr. Caroline Leaf, Switch on Your Brain. If you look at her website, here's what it says. This is, I've got to read this because I'm not bright enough even to memorize this. She's a communication pathologist and cognitive neuroscientist with a master and a PhD in communication pathology and a BSc in logopedics specializing in cognitive and metacognitive neurology. This lady's smart. (laughs) She knows about your brain and how it works. I thought about that and I thought, wow. You know, if you looked up Scott Winstead, it'll say he's a husband, a father, a grandfather, and a pastor. (laughs) Then I look at hers and I'm like, whew, okay. She's really, really smart. Now get this though. Here's why I'm saying this. It's written on your sheet. She has done research, and here's what she's discovered. This is, this is mind-boggling to me. This is cool, though. She discovered that it's been found that in 12 minutes of daily focused prayer, what's the first thing we're going to do when the warning light goes off of anxiety? We're going to pray. Focused prayers, they've discovered. If you will spend 12 minutes a day in prayer over an eight-week period of time, you will, your brain will be affected in a positive way, in such a way that it can be measured by a brain scan. When I went away to Colorado, one of the things that they did is they did a brain scan. I was like, is there anything there? (laughs) Like, what's it show, right? 
because they can tell things about your brain. They found that there was areas of my brain that were overactive, and some because some areas were overactive, others were inactive. Why? Because of the pathways that I had created in my brain about stinking thinking. We talked about that. You can go back last week and whatever, and you can pull up some of that if that's interesting to you. What she's really saying is, listen, our brain goes somewhere. Remember, our thoughts, the more you think the same thought, the easier it is to think that thought, which is great news if you're putting good stuff in and truth and God's word in, but it's bad news if you're thinking negative stuff and untruths and you tell yourself or believe the same lies over and over, it's easier for your brain to go there. So 12 minutes of focused prayer a day over eight weeks, it can change and make new pathways and it's pick, you can pick it up in a brain scan. Hmm. So let me see. I got 15 minutes. Do I get on social media or do I pray? They'll both change your brain. <laughs> Sometimes my brain goes to wrong places and it likes to stay there because those pathways become like ruts. And it becomes easier and easier and easier to go to the places that we went before. That's powerful, isn't it? It's fascinating the way God made us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, God says. He gave us parts of a brain. You have an amygdala, right? It's a little almond-shaped part of your brain. It's there for good. It's that little thing in your brain that when you're like you're walking through the woods and it's dark and the fog rolls in and you hear some scurrying, it's that fear part of your brain it, that you know what, I don't know about your brain, it doesn't go to, I'll bet that's a cute little bunny rabbit. <laughs> you think, I'll bet that's a wolf. I'll bet that's a coyote. I'll bet that's a bear. I'll bet that's Bigfoot coming after me, right? And you, your hair stands up on your neck, right? That's the amygdala. <laughs> that's that part of your brain that's the warning system. But you know what? For some of us, you know what anxiety does? That amygdala starts to respond, and if you make those same pathways about negative thoughts, you, you kind of go to a worst-place scenario all the time, and what that is is you start to negatively ruminate. Ruminating means to meditate on, and worry and anxiety is the opposite of prayer where you turn to a God that can do something about it, but instead you get stuck on the negative and what could be and what if, and what if it is Bigfoot, what if it is a bear, and you get caught in those patterns in your brain. You're just negatively meditating. <laughs> Which is kind of natural for a human being to do. Prayer is not natural, it's supernatural. And it's what breaks the cycle. Instead of focusing on what could be and hearing that, seeing that warning light go off in my brain, instead of responding to it like I normally do, this is the end of my world, I knew it was going to happen. My kid was supposed to be home two minutes ago, I'll bet they're dead on the side of the road, right? My, I don't, if I was dead as many times, my mama thought I was dead. But prayer is supernatural. It breaks that cycle. It's putting my anxiety to work and say, God, I want to focus on you. 
you're God and I'm not. This is what Jehoshaphat did. He said, oh God of heaven, are you not with us? You're the God that's up in heaven, right? And then look at verse 12. I love this. He says, for we have no power to face this vast army that's attacking us. Absolutely he doesn't. There's no way. Three armies against one. He knew the odds were not good. He's just saying, listen, I'm just being honest, God. I can't handle this. We can't handle this. This is too much for us. God, I don't know how we're going to make it through this. You been there? That's where I was. We don't know what to do, God. I don't know what it's going to take. I'm not strong enough for this. I don't know what to do. I, I, we're, 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 we're in a situation. And you know what he did? He said, but our eyes are on you. You know where my eyes often go to, especially when I'm anxious, especially in that cycle that I was in, it goes to the negative. It goes to what if, what if, what if, what if it is Bigfoot? What if it is a bear? What if it is a coyote? What if it is this? And you say those things so many times, you get stuck there. And Jehoshaphat had enough about himself to pray and then to say, God, my eyes are on you. I've asked my entire kingdom of people to fast, to focus on you and not the problem. God, we're going to stand right here in the temple that bears your name and we're going to keep you the number one priority. Which sounds so right. But when you're anxious, when you're struggling, do you know how many people, we don't turn to God first. We often turn away. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like worshiping. I told you for mine, I was so focused on church that I in some ways lost sight of the God who established the church. God, our eyes are on you. You put your eyes on the problem, the problems just keep circulating in your brain. Put them on the one who's above all the problems. We've got to train our brains to think about Him. We've got to build our schedules in such a way where He's a priority every day. I'm choosing to believe, God, your promises that say you're with me. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. I'm going to focus on you. God, I believe that you say that all things are not good, but all things will work together for the good for those of us that love you and are called according to your purpose. God, I'm focusing on that. This is too much for me. I can't handle it, but you can. And so I'm turning my eyes to you. When that warning light goes off, when you start to, if you have time to worry, you have time to pray. Worry is just negative rumination. It's going over those things over and over. Prayer focuses on God. Look at 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, we're to cast all our anxiety on God because he cares for us. Anxiety isn't a sin, it's a symptom. 1 Peter says, cast your anxiety on him. Cast all your cares on him. If you're a fisherman, you know it means to cast. You kind of throw it out there. It's like, here you go, God. Isn't that good news? I don't have to take all this. God's saying, listen, I got a way. I want you to cast it on me because I care. When you're alone, you feel your heart start to race. You're going to that place. You're, you're sweated. You're worried about your kids. You're worried about the economy. You're worried about your job. You're worried about your boss, whatever. 
You say, God, I just can't handle this tension. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't even know. God, I'll like, I'll, we'll probably be in the poorhouse. Like, I don't understand. He says, cast it on me. God, I don't have all the answers, but you do. And I'm just going to cast these anxieties on you. And I'm going to keep my eyes on you. Can I tell you something about God? If it's on your mind and it is a concern to you, it's on his heart. That's the God we serve. So take time and pray. You say, then what do you do? Then you just jump in and you take control. God, you weren't fast enough. God, your way didn't work. I'm going to do it my way. That's what I try. It doesn't work. First thing we do is pray. Here's number two. When that, that little dash light comes on in your life, you're feeling anxious, number one, it's time to pray. Number two, it's time to pause. Pause. That's what King Jehoshaphat did after he prayed. Look at this. Second Chronicles 20, verse 12 and 13. He said, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Verse 13, and all the men of Judah with their wives and their children and little ones stood there before the Lord. They fasted. They stood there before the Lord and they paused. I'm not good at pausing. I don't know about you, but I'm an action kind of guy. <laughs> I, I'm the type of guy that the, based on the way I'm wired, I'd be like, well, what, what, what do you mean? We're not going to just stand here. You got to do something. <laughs> Sometimes you do. Sometimes you do need to do something. But there's other times God says that you just need to pause. There's times where we just need to be Still. Psalm 46.10, God says, be still and know that I'm God. But wait, I'm trying. What about my kids? What about the finances? What about my job? What about my boys? What about... Ah! And you're... Be still. Cast your cares on me. I'm God. You're not. Focus on me instead of the problems. Instead of your anxious thoughts. So we're praying. And we're pausing. And God heals us of all the anxiety. <laughs> he could. Sometimes he does. But sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes it's a process. Sometimes you have to raise your hand and say, I need help. Sometimes it needs a lifestyle change. God's saying, listen, yeah, you're anxious, but you know what? I want to spend more time with you and me. I want you to pause. I want you to pray. I want you to focus more on me and not on your problems. I want you to get back to a position where I'm first place in your life because that will do more good than you have idea that it will. See, so sometimes it's like God has to, there's got to be some changes in us. God could do it just like that, but he wants to do something in us as well. For some of you, you need to do what I did, which is get away and have some focused therapy with someone who's a specialist that can lead you on a journey of what's going on. 
But can I tell you, it always starts with God. It's got to be directed by God. We take it to God. (laughs) That's what Jehoshaphat did. He instructed his people to do the same thing. And then look at what 2 Chronicles 20, verse 15 and 17 says. The Spirit of the Lord came on Jezreel, and he said this, Do not be afraid or discouraged. Some of you are saying, boy, I'd I'd love to really be able to say that and believe that. He says, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. The battle is not yours. Do you get that? He said, listen, the battle that you're in is not yours, but it's God's. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Don't be afraid. He's saying, listen, don't be afraid. The battle is not even yours. It's God's. God is with you. He's for you. He loves you. He cares about you. He has the power to do what you can't do. And as a Christ follower, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Even if you feel like he's not there, you've got to focus on the truth that he says he cannot lie. He is there. He cares so much about you and I that he wants us to do things in a way that brings honor and glory to him. And sometimes that means I have to go outside of myself and ask for help. Again, anxiety is not a sin, it's a signal. It's it's time to pray, it's time to pause. Here's number three. It's also time to praise. It's time for you to thank him for who he is. That's what Jehoshaphat did, he prayed. And then he paused. And then he did something that honestly, again, remember I told you I'm a person of action? That's my natural bent. He did something that quite honestly, I don't believe I would have ever done. He called a play. He instructed his people to do something. I was like, are you kidding? You know what he did? He sent his worship team out on the front lines. His worship team. And you know what their weapons were? Instruments. He had lady tambourine. And he had electric guitar man. He said, you guys go out on the front lines. Like I'm sending you out. <laughs> Here comes the three armors. You, you worship team, go on out front. I'm thinking about that. And I'm like, that wouldn't have been my call. I'd have been like calling Rocky and Vin Diesel, right? That would have been me. <laughs> but he sends out his worship team and they start praising God. Before there was a victory before he knew the outcome. Before he knew what was going to happen. And you know what God did? God did a miracle. And listen, the Bible isn't just a book of stories. It's rea- it was real. It's as real as you and I sitting here, and there was miracle upon miracle, but everybody didn't get a miracle. There were bodies, the Bible says, everywhere. They didn't just send out the worship team and praise God because of the victory. They praised Him before they even knew the outcome. 
If you and I just praise God when things go well, there'll be a lot of times you won't praise. There'll be times you won't even pray because you didn't see any results. There'll be times that you say, the last thing I can do is pause because I got to make it all happen somehow. And God's saying, it's not even your battle. It's not even something you're qualified to do. It's mine. What you need to do is focus on me. What you need to do at times is not do any action and you need to pause. And what you need to do sometimes is regardless of the outcome, because you don't even know where it's at yet. You praise me not because of what's happened, but because of who I am and what I'm capable of. And I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And I'm God and you're not. (laughs) Speaking of worship teams, I'm going to ask ours to come out because we think it's only appropriate as I wind down today that we lift him up, (laughs) that we lift our eyes up in praise. Yeah, we need to pray. Of course we do. And I suggest that you do that and maybe cut back a little on whatever else is occupying your time that you say, I really don't have time. I don't even see how I'd carve out 12 minutes a day to pray. You can if you choose to. You have time to worry. I spent so many sleepless nights trying to go to sleep because my brain was thinking of all the could-be's and my inadequacies, and what about God, and what about, and what about, and what about, and what about, and what about. You say, well, dumb. You're a pastor, don't you pray? Of course I prayed. But I'll guarantee you my mind was so stuck on some negatives that I ruminated more on that stuff and thought I couldn't control it. And quite honestly, I didn't have the skill set or the tools at that point to change my brain, if you will. But I've certainly leaned more into prayer now that I have those tools and the insight of what was going on in my brain. I'm taking more time these days to actually rest. (laughs) I got a lot of rest after I got back from Colorado because I developed this pinched nerve that ran down from my neck through my shoulder down my arm and it felt like someone was stabbing me with a knife and somebody had another knife in my back and I laid flat on my back for the most part about 22 hours a day for about six weeks. God said, you're going to get some rest. (laughs) Do I think God caused it? Probably not. Did he use it? (laughs) I would say yes, because I didn't do a lot of action. And I want to praise him every single day, no matter what, because he's God and I'm not. I want to read to you a passage as we wind down. I want you to, I want to read what happened after Jehoshaphat prayed and after he paused and after he praised. This is again before he saw anything of what was going to happen with the three armies that were attacking his. Look at this passage. And the fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the fear of God came across the land and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace. For his God had given him rest on every side. The fear of God. Wouldn't it be great if our country and world today had a healthy fear of God? 
told you when I came back that it's possible, just like I started this message saying, you can walk around and go through the motions of life, get yourself up. People don't know how much, how hard it is to get yourself up and go do what you do every day. For the most part, no one knew that I was struggling internally because I got up and I did what I know how to do. But inside I was stuck. Inside I was caught in a mess of negative thinking. Oh, my wife knew. Some real close leaders and friends knew. They saw a little difference in me. But for the most part, no one knew. I was functioning. But I was stuck. And so finally I was sick and tired enough to get some help. And I can tell you that I don't know how evident it is or it's not again because anybody can put on a front. But I can tell you that I'm in a better place. Will I ever struggle again? I hope not. I certainly have a new insight. I have some new tools. I've established some new guardrails, if you will, in my life. But I'm so grateful. (laughs) And I can tell you he's real and he's there and he cares. And he's close to the brokenhearted. And if you're concerned, he's concerned. And even though I was tempted to act, listen, I had acted all I could and I couldn't fix it. And now I give him praise no matter what the circumstances are because he's God and I'm not. Because he's good. Because his ways are not my ways. Do I struggle at all anymore with anxiety and anxious thoughts? I'm human. But I don't camp there. I say, oh, that's not a sin. That's a signal. I need to pray. I need to pause. I need to praise. Hmm. Let me read that verse about not being anxious. I believe the way it's intended. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, whether you're, what, whatever you're facing, when you don't know what to do, by prayer, Take to God and petition with thanksgiving. You present your request. You cast your cares on God. And scripture says in the peace of God, the rest of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. That's how we fight. That's how we do battle. God's here. He's aware. He cares. We pray. We pause and we praise. God, thank you so much for your word, for the power that it contains. God, there's a lot of things we can spend our time focusing on, but nothing, nothing comes close to you. God, I pray that um, people walk out of here today with hope. And that hope is in you, that their eyes are on you, that their priorities focus around you. God, that we raise our kids in such a way where we f- the focus is on you. Thank you that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. In your name, amen.